0: Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever feared for the future? Do you have any stress and anxiety in your life? Is there any hope? My name is Chris Holland and we'll attempt to answer those questions and more. Let's dig deeper with Unlocking Bible Prophecies. The rise of an international pandemic, the polarizing global politics, mismanagement and corruption, increasingly destructive natural disasters. The bushfires in Australia are a warning of what may be to come around the world. What does it all mean? What does the future hold? Friends, I wanna welcome you to Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper. Many of you have been with my friend and colleague, Kami Utman, as she taught on this very subject. Now, this program is designed to build upon the foundation that she laid and go even deeper. Now, if you didn't watch the series with Kami, no worries. Just stick here and you'll learn some amazing things. Now, by the way, you can go to the Unlocking Bible Prophecies homepage at www.awr.org forward slash Bible and find that series and you can watch it anytime. Now, additionally, you can ask questions on that site as well as find many other valuable resources. Now, today I'd like to begin with an amazing story of individuals who felt absolutely hopeless and helpless, yet they found relief and safety in the end. Now, I don't know where you are in your life today, but I hope that through this teaching you may find hope and peace in today's tumultuous society. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we Open the Bible to study your word, I pray that you would help us to understand. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to find hope and peace and joy. Please guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ernest Shackleton was born in Ireland, the son of a doctor. Ernest was an avid reader, and as a result of his reading, developed a strong sense of adventure. Now, while his father had high aspirations of his son becoming a doctor, Ernest had other ideas. The desire to explore led him to join the merchant navy, and by the young age of 24, he became a master mariner. Shackleton had a desire to explore the poles of the earth, especially the South Pole. In 1902, Shackleton, along with fellow explorer Robert Falcon Scott, set a record for going the furthest south and coming closest to the South Pole. Now, Shackleton had several other explorations to the south, but the most famous is the trans Antarctic Expedition of 1914. The goal was to transverse the Antarctic. The adventure required two crews, one to make the journey, the other to place the supplies for a successful journey. So Shackleton set out on that fantastic journey in the boat Endurance. Now as the endurance drew nearer and nearer to the Antarctic the boat was surrounded and eventually totally blocked in by ice. They hoped that the weather and danger would pass and so they waited it out until the spring thaw so they could continue their journey. However The ice pressed in harder and still harder upon the endurance until it eventually breached the hull. Shackleton and his crew were forced to abandon the ship. The endurance sank. And for two months, the party camped on ice floes, hoping that they would be directed toward Paulette Island. Now, Paulette Island would provide refuge and safety along a commonly used shipping route. However, those plans were dashed. The ice flow they were on began to break up and the party was forced into their lifeboats and they eventually found themselves on Elephant Island. Now, because it was remote and away from any shipping routes, Shackleton knew that if his crew stayed on Elephant Island, there would be no rescue. And one thing would be certain, they would all die. He knew that he needed to take a risk. He knew that he needed to do something out of the ordinary to save his men. And so he decided he would take five men with him and set sail for South Georgia Island, in a six meter point, hoping to get the help they needed. Leaving 22 men behind, he left them with a promise. He promised those 22 men that he would return to take them home. In a circumstance of complete hopelessness, Shackleton promised that he would return. Hopelessness. We live in a world It seems to offer very little in the way of hope. We look around the world today and we see that it seems to simply be falling apart around us. Wars, uprisings all over the globe, pandemics, hunger, famine around the world still going unsolved, an economy that seems to be teetering on total implosion the general polarization of society, leaves one asking, what is a person to do? This hopelessness and despair reminds me of an event in the Bible. We find that event in the book of John. The apostle John shares the experience of the disciples just before Jesus was arrested and killed the disciples had just spent their last meal with Jesus and he was trying to prepare them all for what was soon to take place. And we find this story in John the 13th chapter and beginning in verse 31, the Bible says the following. Again, John 13 and verse 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, "'Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I has loved, loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another now this teaching left his disciples a bit confused where was their master going where was the messiah going why was he going to leave why couldn't they go with him and then peter i don't know about you but i relate well to peter It is very aggressive style of speaking before thinking. Engage Jesus further in verses 36 to 38. The Bible says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. I want you to think about that for a moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what a crushing blow this was for Peter to hear? Jesus was Peter's teacher. He had spent three and a half years with him. He desired to be as close to Jesus as possible. He was a part of Jesus's inner circle and now Jesus told him that he would betray his beloved teacher by denying him. On that night when Jesus was trying to prepare them for the coming events, they were confused and didn't understand what could Jesus do He shared words of comfort that they could look back to and understand the events that had unfolded. Words that would bring security in the midst of uncertainty. Words to the apostle Peter, words to the disciples that would give them hope in their despair and hopelessness. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I wanna pause there for a moment. I want you to think about this now. Peter has just heard that he would deny his master three times. He's in despair. He's in hopelessness. The rest of the disciples have heard that the coming Messiah, the Messiah who is with them, the Messiah who was the promised one that was going to return the throne to the Davidic line, He was leaving and saying that where he was going, they could not follow. And then the words of Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Friend, are you following? Are you in the midst of a struggle right now? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled and then he continues in verse 2 of John chapter 14 in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also and where I go you know And the way you know. Now I want you to think. Can you hear the loving voice of Jesus trying to bring comfort to Peter and the rest of the disciples? These disciples who were distraught over Jesus, predicting his own death. And Peter troubled by his predicted denial. Jesus provides this hope. What is that hope? You see, the hope that Jesus provided was hope in the second coming. Hope that even though Jesus was going to leave them, he would come back for them. You see, the second coming of Jesus is the hope of every person on this earth. The second coming of Jesus can be your hope today. You see, a political leader is not going to solve the problems of the world. Some hero on this earth will not solve the problems of this world. It is only the second coming that brings true hope. You see, through all the types of turmoil, through every challenge that we face in life, the hope for the helpless planet upon which we live, the only hope is the return of Jesus Christ. This is why the apostle Paul had these words to say, In Titus chapter two, verses 11 to 14. Titus chapter two, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Notice Paul refers to the second coming as the blessed hope. Now, why is it that the second coming gives us hope? Well, let's first ask this question. What is hope? Now, according to the Random House Dictionary, hope is defined as the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. You see, Jesus wants to assure us that things will turn out for the best. How, how so? How is that possible? John 3.16, a verse almost everyone knows by heart. It is a verse that is so well known that people hold it up at football games and other sporting events. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes will have everlasting life. But the next verse brings even more hope and comfort. John three seventeen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Notice that Jesus was sent to save the world, not to condemn it. You see, too often today, Christianity presents the idea that God is out there somewhere with a watchful eye waiting for you to make the wrong move and then zap, he'll get you. But no, Jesus hasn't come with the intention of condemning people. He did not come to destroy people. Jesus came to save you and he is coming again to take us home with him. Do you remember those words that Jesus spoke in John 14? Let your hearts not be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. You may be experiencing a great disappointment in your life. You may be facing challenges, possibly unexpected challenges. Maybe you're fighting through cancer. Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer and you don't know what the future holds. Maybe you're going through a divorce or maybe... Maybe something in your life seems so overwhelming that you just can't handle it. Jesus draws near to you and he says, dear friend, don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because Jesus says you believe in God, believe also in him. My dear friends, if you're a seeker and you've not yet come to a belief in God, you're in the right place. Unlocking Bible prophecies is a place where you can come to find a belief in God. I want to encourage you to go to our website, www.awr.org forward slash Bible. And there you can find resources to help you into coming into a relationship with God. Maybe you need help with that. You can email us. You can leave a comment in the chat and one of our online Bible instructors will get in touch with you. Just leave a comment and say, I need help to believe. Then Jesus, Jesus, after he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus then promises that in heaven there are many mansions. If you're reading for a more from a more modern version, it translates it, many rooms. The promise here is not based on a materialistic riches that Jesus wants to give to you, but rather the promise is based on proximity. What do I mean by proximity? proximity to Jesus. Jesus promises that he has gone to heaven and his going to heaven is with the specific purpose of preparing a place for you, preparing a place for me. When you read that passage, when you read Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. But make it more personal. In fact, when you read that verse, why don't you read the word? Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. He's gone there to prepare a place for me. He's gone there to prepare a place for you. That is where he lives. And he wants you to live there with him. This was the whole purpose of Jesus' first coming, that he would pave the way for us to be reunited with him forever. But we face a huge problem because Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. And to make it even more hopeless, Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Friends, this is bad news. If all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, that doesn't give us good prospects for the future. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned. And while that picture painted may seem like our destiny is bleak. The reality is, as I didn't read the latter portion of Romans six twenty-three, which says this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, this is why Jesus is coming again, to give us the full fulfillment Of the promise of eternal life. This is why Jesus can say in John 14, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. You hear those words? I will come again. Now, let me share with you some insight on these words to bring an even greater depth of hope. Now, as we read the words, I will come again, we know that in the English language, that phrase is in the future tense. However, in the original Greek language, it was not in the future tense. Uh, As you may already know, that word there was actually written in the present tense. You see, the original Greek there takes it and it says, while it is translated, I will come again. In the original Greek, it actually reads, I am coming again. You see, when John wrote these words, he employed a grammatical technique. And listen, if grammar's not your thing, don't worry. Just hang on. Stick with me. You see, John employed a grammatical technique and he called it, The futuristic present. And that technique is called the futuristic present. What does that mean? An author in New Testament Greek or ancient Greek would write something in the present tense but have a future meaning to convey that that event was so sure to happen, so definite to happen, it would be written as if it had already happened. John lays out the assurance that Jesus is coming again and remember he's coming he said for you he's coming for me he's prepared a place for you he's prepared a place for me and that my dear friends is not a possibility it is not a probability but the Bible defines it as a definitive coming so what does this mean well friend this is what it means Jesus loves you so much that he wants to spend eternity with you. The question is, do you want to spend eternity with him? It's a choice that he freely gives you. What will you decide? See, Jesus wants you there. Jesus has made a place for you there. You know, today many people Many people discount the words of the Bible. Some some even poke fun at this book. And numerous people have discounted the promises of his second coming. But you know, this shouldn't surprise us. Peter warned us almost 2,000 years ago in his second letter in chapter three. He said these words 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 and 4. This is what the apostle Peter wrote to help us understand. 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last day, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of your coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. A scoffer is someone who ridicules things and doesn't believe. Peter warns that there will be people who will ridicule those who believe in the second coming of Jesus. They will say that the earth has always existed and it will continue to exist without any interruption. They will say, Jesus isn't coming. You're silly to believe in such fairy tales. But friends, but friends, when we read or listen to the news, we realize the turmoil of this earth. Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 8 verses 20 to 22. Romans chapter eight, verses 20 to 22. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. The whole earth itself was subject to the curse of sin and all the upheaval in the world. And we see that the earth itself is groaning to be freed by the coming of Jesus. Everything happening around us points to Jesus' soon return. But wait, don't these scoffers have a point? It's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven and gave this promise. But I want you to notice again what Peter says in that second letter in chapter 3 and beginning in verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3 beginning in verse eight. I want you to notice what Peter says. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years and as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My dear friends, the Bible says that Jesus isn't slack. He isn't relaxed concerning his promise of his return, but he is long suffering. It's a very special word that conveys the idea of extraordinary patience. And why is Jesus so patient? Why is not that he has not returned? Because the Bible says he doesn't want any to perish. Jesus came to this earth so that no one had to die eternally but that all would come to repentance and be saved. What about you, friends? Ernest Shackleton and his five men left Elephant Island for South Georgia Island. Aware of the great difficulties they would face in their 1,800 nautical mile journey, Shackleton packed only four weeks of supplies. He knew. He knew that the crew wouldn't survive any longer than that. Through treacherous seas and a storm that produced winds strong enough to sink a 500 ton boat, the crew finally made it to South Georgia Island. Once arriving on the shores of the island, Shackleton And part of his crew still had to hike 50 kilometers, some 30 miles to the whaling station to get the attention of the people. He knew that many lives depended upon him and the whaling station was the only place on the island that was inhabited. After finally arriving at the whaling station through a treacherous journey, Shackleton gathered another crew for the rescue mission. And now came the most daunting task of returning to Elephant Island for that promised rescue. Four months after leaving Elephant Island, Shackleton returned. He returned to rescue his men. At times, some of these men had wondered if Shackleton would really return. They may have wondered if he would keep his promise. However, not one of Shackleton's crew was lost. Each one was saved. While they lost their ship, the Endurance, each one of the men endured to the very end. Shackleton delivered on his promise. Shackleton was proclaimed a hero. My dear friends, Jesus has made a promise and he's made that promise to you personally. He has promised that he is coming again. He is coming to take his children home. He's coming to take you home, that home, which is pictured in the book of Revelation as a home of a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth having passed away. John seeing the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. There, that new Jerusalem. The tabernacle of God being with men. A place there would be no more death. No more dying. No more pain. No more sorrow. Because the former things had passed away. And then the Bible says, Behold, I make all things new. Jesus is making all things new. No more suffering. No more pain. Everything working the way God had intended for them to work. Perfect harmony. This is what Jesus wants for you, it's what He wants for me, it's what He's promised. Today, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart and make a decision to follow him fully? Today, do you want to say to Jesus, Lord, I am living in a helpless and hopeless circumstance and I know my only hope is you. Revelation chapter three and verse 20, describing Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the question I have for you today. Will you let him in? Will you let Jesus in? The Apostle Paul. Describing the promise. Of the return of Jesus. Said these words. In his first letter to the Thessalonians. In chapter 4. In reference to the promise of the second coming, beginning in verse 15, this is what Paul wrote. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. My dear friends, whatever the situation that you may now be in today, Jesus wants you to understand. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you promise. He wants you to cling to the promise of his word. Are you facing an illness? Jesus says to you today, let not your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus says, I'm coming, I'm coming. Maybe you're facing challenges in your marriage. Maybe you're facing challenges in a relationship. Maybe you're facing challenges in your finances. Maybe you're facing challenges in your work. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Whatever you're facing today, In this hopeless and helpless world, Jesus says, I'm coming again. Today, my dear friends, I invite you. I invite you to give your heart fully to Jesus. Today, I invite you to look to Jesus who says in Matthew chapter 11, Verses 28 to 30, as you come to him and give your heart completely to him, he says these words, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus promises that he's coming again. He wants you to submit fully to him. He wants you to grasp the promise of a second coming. Will you embrace Jesus today? Will you open the door upon which he's knocking? Oh, friend, I do hope so. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that your son Jesus offers us the promise of eternal life. We're thankful that Jesus is preparing a place for us right now. I pray, dear Lord, today that each of us would surrender our lives fully to him and be ready for Jesus when he comes again. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, I'm going to be continuing this study on the second coming next week. We'll be going in depth on the second coming over the course of the next several weeks. But I wanna make you aware that there is something very special happening. I wanna invite you again to go to www.awr.org forward slash Bible. And there you can sign up for a different experience, a new experience that is in addition to this program, Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper. And what that opportunity is, is maybe you want some more one-on-one study. Maybe you're looking to be able to talk to someone. We're offering right now for a limited number of people a special Zoom Bible study. And if you would like that smaller group interaction, again, go to www.awr.org forward slash Bible and there you can sign up for one of those groups. Now I want you to remember this is for a limited number of people. We only have a limited number of leaders for this And so there you can sign up And so if you're thinking about it, I would encourage you to go and sign up Right away Friends, I want you to join me again next week Whether you're watching on our website Whether you're watching on Facebook Or whether you're watching on YouTube Please join us again next week For Unlocking Bible Prophecies Digging Deeper
1: I hope you have enjoyed listening to the end-time prophetic events. Whether you've never before opened a Bible, or have been studying it all your life, you'll gain new insights from this series. By looking at Revelation and Daniel, as well as other books of the Bible, you'll find that the Bible itself clearly unlocks the mysteries of Bible prophecies. This will transform what may feel like a confusing book into something clear and understandable. If you want to learn more Bible truth, or ask a Bible question, or perhaps find freedom, healing, and hope in Jesus, please give us a call. Our WhatsApp number is plus 1-240-222-0777. We are certain that you'll gain a deeper understanding of Jesus' love for you. And emerge with an even closer relationship with Him. For more information, visit us on the web at bible.awr.org or send us an email at bibleawr.org.
2: It would be you
3: 谁叫